William Hinkle with Eversource, the region's largest utility, making plans and preparations. He was on with us yesterday in case of some power outages. And I guess Grafton County, there are quite a few. William, good morning with Eversource. Can you give us an update on the power side? Thanks for being with us. Good morning, New Hampshire. Good morning, Jack. Thanks for having me again. And uh, as a Seacoast resident, I can attest to that. Last night, my my wife woke up in the middle of the night and said, oh, you're going to have a long day tomorrow. But the good news is uh, the statewide impacts haven't been as bad as they could be. Since 6 p.m. last night, we've restored power to around 6,000 customers in New Hampshire, and we currently have about 3,600 customers without power in the state. And the majority of those still without power, they're outage events in the in the northern areas of the state, uh, Grafton County, Coas County, as you as you referenced. But we have seen some outages scattered in every region of the state. Uh, we still have a few on the seacoast. Uh, there were a few. Out west overnight, uh, in the Keene area, we restored power to about 140 customers overnight, and we still have just under 100 customers in Manchester without power. So the impacts weren't confined to just one region. Yeah, scattered. It was quite a system. Actually, it seems to me, it feels like to me this morning, William, that it really you could have a lot more power just given Mother Nature last night. Almost fortunate that we didn't see more trees coming down, things like that. Yes, absolutely. Those those strong winds bringing down trees is always the primary threat to the electric system in New England and New Hampshire, in particular, during uh, these storms. And it, it could it could have been worse. You know, we're not we're not out of the woods yet. We could still see some additional outages this morning with uh, those strong winds persisting. And we're also closely looking at another similar storm for Friday night into Saturday as well. So we're making preparations for that one too. So there's still a lot of work to do this week. William, thanks so much. Maybe we'll catch you Friday. I appreciate it. William right. Hinkle, Eversource. Thank you, William. Thank you. All right, before we've been bringing John Decker, our own White House correspondent, I want to point out if you're a mariner or over on the coast, now parts of Newcastle, if you know that Portsmouth Rye area, Newcastle, if you're going to the Wentworth Hotel, for example, that road has already been closed this morning. I assume residents can get in and out of there, but some of the water is already coming across the bridges out of Portsmouth and Newcastle and on the hotel side. High tide is not until 10 a.m. this morning, and I have to tell you, J-Dog, I did a loop over there this morning. And uh, the tide and some of the, uh, it's not even high tide yet. We have an hour to go. It was already very high into Portsmouth, very high, very high tide. So we have about another hour to go. So I think you're going to see some of those roads washed out. We'll have a lot more coming up on Mother Nature and a lot more. Uh, John Decker, our own White House correspondent, talking about Donald Trump in court and Trump's attorneys talking about presidential immunity and some of the other theatrics in and around a dynamic situation in Iowa where tonight just two Republicans standing in that debate, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, without Donald Trump, who comes out of court and is going in there for his own rallies. John Decker, our own White House correspondent. John, take it away. Hey, good morning to you, Jack. I was in the court yesterday for these oral arguments before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal three-judge panel. Very skeptical about the arguments being put forward by the lawyer representing Donald Trump, uh, this idea of absolute immunity for all the actions a president takes during the course of his time in office. And I don't think that this court is going to overturn the ruling by the district court judge, which means it will likely go to the U.S. Supreme Court, this issue. And I don't think Donald Trump's going to be successful there. So what I would prepare for if I was Donald Trump, if I was 
uh, his lawyer, and I am a lawyer, is I would prepare for that criminal case regarding election interference to indeed take place before the 2024 election. Uh, I would almost guarantee that that case is going to get underway. may not happen on March the 4th when it's scheduled, uh, but it will certainly happen before the November presidential election. John, I don't want to put you on the analyst post. John Decker, our own White House correspondent, before I let you go. It's, it's very interesting. Some of the, our analysts yesterday with New Hampshire less than two weeks to go before the first actual votes in our primary. Unusual dynamics. You have the DNC telling the state Democrats here, telling the Democrat voters, don't vote in your primary. It's detrimental. We don't want you to vote or participate. Just write in Joe Biden. You have that dynamic going on. On the Republican side, all these legal distractions with Donald Trump, and you have Nikki Haley sort of apparently, you know, tightening the gap between her and Donald Trump. A UNH poll, University of New Hampshire poll yesterday out, had it at Trump 39. First time in a while he's been below 40 in New Hampshire. Haley 32, Christie at 12, and then it dropped right off. So the question is really going to be in New Hampshire, does does it get to be a, a photo finish with Nikki Haley and Trump or not? And if it were, what does that say about Donald Trump coming out of New Hampshire, even if he wins the Iowa caucus process? Well, Jack, it's all about expectations. Think back to the year 1992. Bill Clinton did not win New Hampshire, right. but it's expectations. Right. And he called himself the comeback kid. I sure. expect and would not be surprised if Nikki Haley, even with a second-place finish, uh, calls herself the victor in New Hampshire. After all, she started in the single digits. So it is a pretty remarkable rise by her, regardless what happens uh, in the New Hampshire primary. And the last thing is, of course, if Haley, because Chris Sinan is pushing this hard, targeting undeclared independent voters, if Haley ever pulled off an upset, even by a field goal, a couple points, how big of a story would that be to folks like you in the national media? Oh, it would be a huge story. Now think back to the year uh, 2000, uh, John McCain pulls off the upset over uh, what most people thought was going to be an easy victory for George W. Bush. In fact, he walloped him in the 2000 Republican primary. But, of course, things changed dramatically when they went down to South Carolina. But uh, New Hampshire often does things a lot different than what we see happen in, in Iowa. I'll be in Iowa, Jack, uh, in just a few days for the Iowa caucus, and I'm interested to see what happens there as well. What do we have in high school, those snorkel, heavy, like Alaska, ski parkers, or the Antarctic Circle? You might need that in Iowa, John. Yeah, have you seen the weather? I did today. Uh, It's going (laughs) to be a high of minus two, Uh, so I have to prepare for that kind of weather when I head over to uh, Des Moines on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to the political aspect of things, not looking forward to the weather, Jack. I hope you come up to New Hampshire. We'd love to have you in the studios. Thank you, John. Thanks a lot, Jack. Bye-bye. You know, someone, a little bit of rain and wind, doesn't even throw Bob Jackman off an inch off his game. I mean, he, he probably was out on uh, Winnipesaukee this morning, uh, just, you know, out there. Because, I don't know if there's much ice. I don't think there's much at all. But uh, he's out there despite the wind. Bob Jackman, Lavelle Middleton Building Supply. And I'll tell you, they have so many great new locations, including Guilford. Great new opportunities to join the family. And a lot of inquiries come in and, Bob heads up that whole public information front and education for Laval and Middleton building supplies growing very quickly in our region. I mean, you are blanketed across our coverage region. Bob, good Wednesday morning. How did you fare? Were those windows tight? Was the roof tight? Any leaky spots? Take it away, Bob. Uh, my house is doing fine, and uh, my understanding is most of the people around here are fine. But we did see the same kind of thing that you were talking about. 
an absolute driving rain during the night. Um, and it, it was apparently noisy enough, so we never even heard the plow guy come. And the plow guy, uh, real smart. These guys know what they're doing. They wait till the rain has had a while to, uh, let's say, give the snow some body so they can push it right out of the way and take your driveway right back down to uh, bear so that everybody's safe. Yeah. But i got to tell you, I know a subject that's near and dear to your heart is working with young kids coming yeah. out of school. And uh, a couple of us were able to spend about an hour and a half with a young gentleman who has graduated from technical school. He actually graduated early. And we met up with him at uh, our preferred building systems location, which is a modular home uh, construction company right in Claremont, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And he he said, uh, when we asked him what he wanted to do, he said, anything having to do with wood. Yep. So, of course, we, we defined that and said, come on, take a look at PBS and see what you think. And he was amazed. And actually, I haven't toured the plant in several years. And it is amazing the way they build those homes. So this young man was, <clears throat> excuse me, very impressed with, the opportunities, because he never would have considered swinging a hammer, and that's his words, yeah. not mine, but uh, he never would have considered that if he hadn't seen it, <laughs> Be- because it, it is amazing the way they're built. It is amazing the technology that goes into it, yeah. and, and what we are finding is our website is getting beat up uh, by a lot of people, and you know, they're high school kids, they're community college students, young adults, and I'll let you define adult, uh, young, uh, area job seekers, people who want to change their uh, their focus of their careers. Yep. And, and there's nothing that replaces a site visit. You know, the Internet is great, but it's no. nothing that replaces it. Or, or going to one of your great locations and walking around with a manager, going in to see how it works behind the scenes with all the inventory and the customer service or the lumber yard. Hey, Bob, I want to ask a question. This location that this young student went to visit, do you do you yeah. own that? Does Laval and Middleton own that company, or are you partner with them to make a lot of these pre, you know, the modular homes? Uh, we actually have two modular home divisions, and they are all part of the family of companies owned wow. by us. Wow. And, and one of the one of the benefits to the Valley Middleton Building Supply is we have manufacturing capabilities, not just in Claremont, but we have them in our Newport location too, where we pre-build portions yeah. of homes. How many? Just I'm just curious, Bob, because I I was not aware of that. To you mentioned, I thought when you talked a few weeks ago about some of these smaller homes. Uh, that could be camps, depending on towns. You know, you know, like a not a not a tiny home, but a good small, well built home. I thought you were partnering. How many employees do you have just in Claremont and Newport? I'm just curious on those those divisions, roughly. Uh, Claremont's got probably forty or forty five, and uh, Newport is probably close to eighty to ninety employees right now. And then, wow. as soon as the season hits, uh, both those numbers will swell, and Company-wide, you know, the family of companies, we uh, have over 650 teammates, and we are always, always, always looking for good people. 
Uh, and yeah. a couple of the things that this young man was worried about, he came up through the building trades program, and he thought that he needed to be completely trained. And one of the things that the trades offer, and we are right in that group, is we will train you. We are not looking necessarily for experience. That helps, but it isn't a prerequisite. We are looking for attitude, attendance, um, the willingness and the want to help people, that kind of thing. And we can we can provide the training, and we can we want to provide the job specific training specifically. Yeah. Now, do you how how national are your sales with those divisions out of Claremont and Newport? Do you is more northeast? Or are you pretty much national, local, regional? Think think of us as New England. Um, DBS, I was talking with Mike yesterday, and uh, we've got homes on islands in Winnipesaukee, homes on islands off of Massachusetts, and we've got homes in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Awesome. Uh, I know I know one of the one of our reps actually bought a home in Maine. Awesome, and and for people out there administrators, schools, teachers, mentors who want to get some young folks into one of your locations, what's the best and most efficient way to contact you, Bob? The best way is to contact me, run it right through me, and that is uh, very simple at rjackman at lavallies, L-A-V-A-L-L-E-Y-S dot com. And we do encourage School mentors and guidance counselors and that type of thing, we do want to let them know what is available right in our area. Now, I, you know, I love in your newsletter online and, you know, print, um, you know, do you enjoy being part of a team? Do you look forward to consistent growth? Do you prefer a profession, career, or to a job? Do you enjoy smiling? Well, yeah, if so, come on down to one of our locations, family-owned, uh, going back to 1962, um, longevity with your staff. Uh, you have 13 full-service home centers. Can you just run through, before we let you go, 650 people. Wow, good benefits, great team, and I just love your leadership. Can you just tell us real quickly, you know, I know in Hampton and you have locations all over now. Tell, run through some of the main locations in our region. Well, under the Middleton Building Supply name, there's Hampton, Middleton, Dover, and Meredith. And then once we cross 93, we change to the LaValle Building Supply name, and that's Bristol, uh, mm-hmm. Newport, which was the original store, Claremont, West Lebanon, Walpole, West Chesterfield, uh, and I actually missed Guilford. Guilford is under the LaValle name, even though it's on the wrong side of 93. Uh, and then in Vermont, we have Rutland and Ludlow. Mm. Well, good stuff, Bob, and a great story with uh, mentoring and getting to the young people. We have to do more of this because, you know, um, that's why I'm a big fan of some of the community college programs for the culinary school, people that want to use their hands and cook something and learn and get a craft and a profession. And I'm not going to bring up the Ivy League uh, mess and some of the uh, craziness going on on some of our most elite, expensive college campuses, but i got to tell you, the millionaire next door, the multimillionaire next door, the builder next door may often be someone who works, as they say, in the trades with their hands and brain and minds. I appreciate it, Bob. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, and have a great day.
folks at the Manchester VA servicing our region and, of course, all the state. Kevin Forrest, the director, and he has the great Mike with him talking about beneficial travel, and we need to know what that is. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, good morning, Jack, and Happy New Year to you and all our veterans out there. <laughs> how did Before we get into this one, how did your facility survive? That was a lot of wind and rain last night. Hey, I, I would say we did really good, and uh, I don't want to say we're impenetrable, but uh, <laughs> there were no untoward events, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> all right, take it away, because uh, beneficial travel, what's that all about? It is. So I'll introduce so Michael Smale is our chief of the business office here for all our listeners online and an Army veteran. And, you know, he's going to go over, you know, beneficiary travel is the travel benefit for veterans to get to their appointments. And I'll say, you know, this is one of the more challenging things for veterans. And that's why we wanted to bring uh, uh, Michael on to maybe give some do's and don'ts and clarify any, any facts. So I'll turn it over to Michael. Good morning, Michael. Morning, Jack. Morning, Jack, and uh, morning to our veterans out there. Um, the the bottom line for for beneficiary travel is veterans can be reimbursed for their for their um, expenses for driving to their to their appointments. However, they have to qualify in order to be able to be eligible. And in order for them to qualify, they're supposed to be thirty percent service connected or above, um, or be below the VA pension threshold for their annual income. So once they qualify for one of those two things, then they can submit a request to our team here at the Manchester VA to be reimbursed for their, for their mileage to get to their VA appointments. Now, these appointments can be either here at the Manchester VA, at one of the CBOCs, or even in the community. Um, so they can submit online through our uh, BT Triple S website, which you can Google that, or you can get it through My Healthy Vet. There's actually a new link on My Healthy Vet that will take you directly to that travel website and will allow them to file their claim online. Um, if they're not comfortable with that, there's always the to come right down into uh, to Manchester. We're on the first floor, and it's the travel department. We have Monday through Friday. We're here all day. Uh, no appointment necessary. We'll, we'll explain to them how to travel, uh, file the travel claims, fill out the forms. We'll process it right there and then with them. Um, and, you know, we can assist them in even finding out if they're eligible or not because often, and I think part of one of our biggest headaches, is veterans aren't aware, one, that they're eligible, or two, what can make them eligible. So if they have any questions, they can absolutely come on down, um, speak to any of my travel team. Uh, they can give us a call, um, call the main uh, Manchester number. Our extension is 1914. Um, the, please leave a voicemail because they're, they're going to always take care of the veterans that are in front of us first. Um, but leave a, a lengthy voicemail, and we will get back to you within 72 hours and, and get all your travel questions um, answered as best to our capability. But, um, again, stop by. Uh, come see our travel team. We'll, we'll help you out. We'll give you the information we'll need. We can even provide you with some forms that you can take home and mail into us if you want to use the, uh, the old snail mail process. And we're also available on secure messaging. Um, if they want to reach out to the BT mm -hmm. travel team on secure messaging, um, they can get a hold of us and submit their forms through that same process as well. Now, Mike, one of the topics or segments we had a few weeks back, I think it was before the holidays, Kevin may recall, was on the trying to get volunteers as well to drive and be, uh, you know, to help facilitate and work with veterans to help uh, move, you know, if they need transportation. Is that part of your equation or not? 
Um, absolutely. Um, we actually have um, an increased number of our, of our own travel team. We also coordinate with a DAV. We also coordinate with um, a contracted services to try to provide transportation for those veterans who either don't have vehicles or need uh, um, that excess help with either the wheelchair or the or their scooter or whatever it is that they have with their mobility issues. So there's there is that option as well, and that is that is part of my team as well. And again, if people want to learn more about that, um, can they just come in and talk to you, visit? You mentioned coming to the facilities. Elaborate on that a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're here Monday through Friday from 8 to, to 4.30. We're on the first floor right across the street from the, uh, from the elevators. Um, they can stop by anytime, no appointment necessary. We'll explain the benefit from beginning to end. We'll, we'll find out if you're qualified, what you're qualified for, and what we can do for you and get you that point of contact that you need. Yeah, Michael, I'd like to ask just for the listeners on, so what, what amount of time should a veteran expect to get reimbursed when they submit for their travel? That's probably, you know, one of the biggest yeah. well, that is, the expectation. That is good that question. is actually quite the uh, quite the quite the good question. Um, if you're submitting yourself on the website, it's actually faster because a lot of those can auto process. Um, the turnaround time for the website submission is usually about a week's time frame. The turnaround time for a paper claim, once it gets into our hands, right now we're working with a backlog and we're about. 90 days behind on processing paper claims. So that's if you email it to us, if you snail mail it to us, or if you bring that claim by hand directly to us. You know, I, I think that's an important point, Jack, just to get to everybody out there. You know, some people are resistant to use some of these online portals, but just knowing that the, uh, you know, the reimbursement, I think is exponentially quicker than Absolutely. using some of the traditional methods. And we want to get that, that message out. Good stuff. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Great, great work. And, Kevin, while we have you, just in general, any other overall updates coming out of the holidays now that we're into 2024? How are the, some I of the do. new services? So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, a great update, Jack. We have a uh, Dr. Uh, Martinez will be joining our team. So she is a gynecologist that will be joining the Manchester VA to support our women's health program. Uh, we have not had a gynecologist on staff for quite some time. So really excited about her joining the team and, and providing just top-notch care to all our, our women veterans that are enrolled to the Manchester VA. And I know not long ago you talked about more services now in Tilton. How's that going on the surgical side? Well, we uh, have our, well, in, in Concord, we have our surgical center uh, up there. We will be moving back in the March time frame here with our OR back up and running. Uh, we just continue to get uh our specialty services out to all of the C-Box, um, Conway, yep. Tilton, Portsmouth, and, and Summersworth. So it's a work in progress. And do you, do you find, Kevin, some of the – and, Mike, do you find what the veterans are looking for and the age of veterans, the stage of veterans different? Do you, are, you, are you seeing any trends is what I'm asking for? Any, any trends emerging? Is it a combination of services? Um, are you seeing – I know you've expanded so much there and you have so many creative services. Are you seeing any trends? Jack, the trend I see is, you know, I think veterans wanting to get care closer to home and, and you know, hence our, our effort to get out to those C-box, um, use telehealth modalities and, and uh, just make it easier uh, for the veteran and, and get it to them quicker. I appreciate it. Well, great stuff this morning, and Mike, thank you. And if people want to learn more on the transportation stuff, reimbursements, appointments, how long, best way to do that is how? 
Uh, if you call that main Manchester phone number, 603-624-4366, and then use extension 1914. That connects them directly to my team, and we can get their answers. And don't be shy. Come on down. Come visit us. Kevin, good stuff. Mike, great, great stuff. We appreciate it very, very much. Manchester VA, Kevin Forrest, and Mike. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Great. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. We'll see you soon, Jack. Neil Levesque, Institute of Politics. Uh, Executive Director St. Anselm College will will be broadcasting 13 days from today, all day and evening when the results come in. The West Wing, St. Anselm College, Neil Vec. you got a poll coming out tomorrow. Interesting stuff going on in Iowa. Let's hit the dynamics in the race for the White House. Well, right now there's a lot of polls coming out, and they're kind of all over the place. We've, we've seen momentum with uh, Nikki Haley. There's no doubt about it. Frankly, all these polls, including ours, that's going to come out tomorrow, are going to be mute. Uh, if 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 any kind of candidate of substance drops out, because those voters are going to go somewhere else, and so the polling will get all sort of screwed up. But certainly at this point, uh, Nikki Haley has got momentum going forward, and Trump, uh, I said this before, is like a goalpost. You know, he doesn't go up, he doesn't go down. He's solid as a rock amongst his supporters. They support him. They know who he is. Uh, they believe they're, that he represents them. And despite all of these legal issues, all the things with January 6th, all the things, he remains solid. So can Nikki Haley catch the goalpost? That's really where uh, this comes down to. Well, I need you to tell me that because you, you, you've coined that trademark line that Trump is like a goalpost goal post in football, and he is because he's got that core support. Now, it's interesting, Neil. Jeb Bradley sent a president last Friday when I pressed him a little bit on what he thinks is going to happen in the final few weeks here in New Hampshire. He thought Trump would end up right about 40% of that Republican primary vote with, a, with, his, you know, with whatever undeclared independence, about 40 that poll from UNH, not St. Anselm, had Trump right about 39. My question is, if he is that goalpost, it doesn't move in the high 30s. Can Nikki Haley, and this is where you, you got a poll coming out tomorrow, can Nikki Haley gain ground beyond 35%, get up in that 38, 39, 40%, and actually catch Trump or not? Well, I think it's an uphill battle, frankly. I think that... Um there are other factors at work here. We have Chris Christie, who's sort of a directly anti-Trump candidate, who's taking a series of votes away from any potential other candidate other than Trump. So that's a big stumbling block here. Um, and the, the fact is, is that Trump is like an incumbent. And, you know, I saw some numbers where they showed Trump declining. And I guess my question is, is what is the what was the factor what happened um, that would cause people to leave Donald Trump in the Republican primary? We haven't seen that in two years. We haven't seen any indication that legal matters, other issues right. have, have had Trump voters abandon him. Um, and so I kind of uh, I'm curious as to where the uh, where did these voters leave where did they go to why did they leave and and well, it, it's a big question mark yeah you know what i but i don't know one of the big mysteries 
Are you on the road? I think you are now. You're a big. You can hear the air brakes. That, that's definitely a truck, not me. I know. Well, I love the picture you sent of. Where was that, by the way, Rye? So uh, right now it's sunny, but it's high tide, and yeah, Rye north of Rye Harbor in particular is just getting devastated, and yeah. and the it's breaking the seawall berm. Um, there are huge rocks all over the place. Um, yeah. Some people are driving their cars down, and I can't imagine because when a six inch rock flies off the ocean and onto the uh, windshield of your BMW. It's not a great day, but um, people are doing it. Anyway, I saw a VW well, Bug from the 60s driving down, an air-cooled VW Bug driving through the salt water this morning. It was. Well, it is a devastated area. Well, the other thing is I salt water underneath into the under the chassis of your vehicle, up into the uh, chassis, that's good, right? But, you know, it's interesting... Uh, well before 8 o'clock, I was over in Newcastle looking at the waves. They were just starting to close the Wentworth side of going out uh, onto the island, if you will. And it was more than two hours before high tide. High tide happening at 9.58 this morning. So I imagine parts of Rye, parts of Hampton, that road, that side in Newcastle, that, that's gonna, the water is going to be coming right up onto the, uh, onto the asphalt, as they say. Well, you're st- I was standing underneath the berm, the big seawall. And the waves are, you can see the waves over the berm, and then they crash, send the rocks. Rye hasn't shut down from what I saw a half an hour ago. They hadn't shut down the road. But the, but the, but you, you would literally be nuts to drive down that road. I, I don't think a car can do it now. And yeah, that's how yeah. bad it is. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty devastated. Now, yeah, I want to come back to the, political the primary before i let you go yesterday chris sununa the governor was on talking about this tightening of the polls here and when i pressed him on independence undeclared he thinks more than he said now he may be optimistic he said more than 40 percent are going to vote in the republican primary that doesn't happen often that's an uncommon event as some one of our great experts told me offline that's that's the big question if that happens she could catch Trump, right? Well, she definitely can catch Trump. She's probably within that range. Uh, if we have a candidate or two drop out, where do those votes go? Do they go to her? If you're not for Trump now, are you going to be for Trump in the future? I, I, don't, I don't know whether or not that's uh, true. So you, assuming if, if another major candidate drops out and those votes go to her, and she's able to close really well, which so far so good, she could definitely catch him. Am I optimistic that that is going to happen? I, 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 you know, I think there's a lot of people that in, in our own minds, we kind of want to see a race. You know, you always want to see in the fourth quarter of a football game, you want to see sort of a, a, a real game happen and it tighten up. I'm not sure that that's happening. It's just the modern Republican Party and its relationship to Donald Trump is very, very strong. And there are reasons for that, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they these these voters have been scorned in the past, and they feel that no matter what, no matter who's attacking him or whatever, Donald Trump has their best interests and is going to straighten things out, and they're not going to abandon him no matter what. And so uh, if I see numbers that show Donald Trump sinking or his numbers declining, I really start to question that because we have not seen that. Uh, at all. 
I agree. Since this sort of primary began, and and even when DeSantis was riding high a year ago, we didn't see those people decline. Yeah. Well, hey, before I let you go, last one on the Democrat side. This whole DNC sort of muscling the local Democrats here. Don't vote. Don't participate in your own primary. It's a non-event to us. It's detrimental to what we want. Don't vote. Is there going to be a political backlash of some Democrats who don't like to be told what to do by outside powers? They, they, Democrats in the past in New Hampshire have shown they're fairly independent Democrats, more progressive than anything else. And the last two presidential primaries, by the way, they didn't swim with the more popular DNC candidates. They elected, they voted for Bernie Sanders. So my question is, is Joe Biden going to be disappointed with this illustrious, energetic write-in campaign or not? Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to downplay expectations. So when it says the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, just think it's the White House. So the White House first said, well, we're going to change the rules so the party bosses pick, not voters. Second thing they said was voters' votes will not be counted. So they're not going to count Democrats who vote. This is in a post-2020 world. They will not count the votes. Then... What they did was they come out and and Biden says, well, I'd like to compete in New Hampshire, but I have to go by what the DNC says, which was the biggest lie, I think, in modern Republican politics. And now we see that they say that our election is meaningless. And I think that the AG's response to that was very good. And I Mm -hmm. think the fact that they want to have voter suppression here in voter in 2020, you know, Joe Biden had a lot of chances to be sort of above all this stuff. Uh, after the Trump administration. And I think this is just another example where this is probably the reason he is losing to Trump and other candidates in these key battleground states, because people say, well, I know Trump is bad, but look at this guy. All right, Neil, we have to run. Thank you very much, Neil Vec, Institute of Politics, St. Anselm College. Look forward to being there a couple Tuesdays from now or two weeks from yesterday. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Aaron, I just read about this the other day. Aaron Real, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. And in front of me I have, I'm not promoting this, but um, members mark purified water, mineral enhanced, but for t- but purified water in a bottle, plastic water bottle. And I'm now reading what, Aaron? Don't drink it. Throw it away. No, I'm joking. <laughs> not really, because we found out this week from published findings in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences that there are some disturbing nanoparticles in bottled plastic, plastic bottled water. So researchers tested three very popular U.S. bottled water brands. They did not tell us which ones, mm-hmm. but they found between 100,000 and 400,000 particles in each liter. Now, the reason nanoplastics are really concerning is because they are microscopic, the size of a virus or a vaccine particle, but there are hundreds of thousands of them in each liter of water, and they pose a much greater threat to human health than microplastics because they're small enough to penetrate human cells, they can enter the bloodstream, they can impact organs, and they can even pass through the placenta to unborn babies. Nanoplastics, they they cause this inflammatory response as well as oxidated stress, this ultimately leads to an imbalance in cells and tissue. That is a fancy way of saying cancer. Wow. And, you know, the problem is, though, what a, what a contradiction. We have so much plastic in our society. You know, people go to work, they'll bring something like, you know, a Tupperware. Last time I checked, that was plastic. They heat it up. 
you know, you get takeout from a restaurant. Could be styrofoam, plastic container, people heated up to eat. Plastic glasses, plastic water bottles, plastic soda. It's got to be. A, it's got to be in all this stuff. Yeah, I, listen, it, that's not great. It's not good at all. And and in the second half of the of the 1900s, we basically produced everything in plastic. And and I actually, after researching for this story and finding out that you know the, the world produces 450 million tons of plastic each year, most of this is in landfills. It never breaks down. Mm-hmm. They found it in the deepest depths of the ocean, the Mariana Trench, and they've found it in the Antarctic. It's everywhere. So I, I, this is not good. We don't. There has been a rise in a lot of diseases, that cancer rates, um, but, developmental problems. Is it directly because of the plastic? We don't know. Maybe. Well, I don't want to. A little I, bit I, of everything. This is a great subject. I don't want to keep you too long, but are our organs that cleanse stuff, whether it's a pancreas or pancreas or liver, are they able to take out some of these? things are there supplements you can take because the problem is we're told on the one hand to hydrate drink plenty of water the problem Aaron depending on where you live some tap water may be high in certain things and chemicals and they found they found stuff in tap water I don't know if you know this if you yeah. if you analyze yeah. tap water you can find opioids traces yeah, in tap water really, so the problem like, is yeah. and, then, and then the problem is if you get a plastic container in your fridge with one of these purifiers it's plastic so how do you get away from plastic today? They don't. They, not everything's made with glass anymore. It's not cardboard. It's plastic. So uh, plastic is kind of the main carrier for the Pepsi's, the Cokes, the the Gatorades, the water. And it's like, okay, well, what do we do? How do you avoid it? And and the reality is, it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Um, I actually after researching for the story, I went into my cupboard last night when I got home and was like, let's. Let's nick some of this plastic. It, it's almost impossible to get rid of it completely. Um, and yes, you can buy glass bottled water. It's heavy. It's cumbersome. It's inconvenient. But that could be one thing. Ultimately, what is probably best is if you have well water with a really, really, really good filter. Short of that, any filter is better than no filter. Actually, if you just change your filters often, you can see how gross the water is. Yeah. Um, well. But the, yeah, it's a concerning one. It's leaching into a lot of stuff and. You can pretty much rest assured that if it's in if it's in plastic bottled water and the plastic containers are holding other substances, it's in other substances as well. What I worry though is, as I said, certain larger urban areas or different parts of the country, that tap water, even with the purifiers, if you do chemical analysis of it, you're finding all kinds of traces that come from stuff in you know certain sewer systems or people. You know, their well water is not as clean as they think, so you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, it seems. Kind of, and listen, I don't mean to like be such a Debbie Downer, but this kind of goes to a bigger discussion about the toxic load we're all comfortable keeping in our body and, and what yeah. that is and, and how to how to limit it. You know, it's impossible to get rid of everything, but to try and keep it lower is a good thing, and if you're really concerned about that, maybe drink your water out of a glass cup. There you go. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Hey, we're going to bring our friends from outside in construction, the great Jesse Lindland. Jesse, good morning. New Hampshire, good morning, New Hampshire. The Pulse of an H, how are you? Good morning, Jack. I'm good. And you? Good, thanks. How you do? How'd you do weather-wise up there on your properties? Not too bad. Not too bad. We got a lot of snow, followed by a lot of rain, but should be gone shortly, so there's a positive to that. There you go. Last time you were on, you were talking about... The demand for new custom homes in the Lakes region, places like Moultonboro and beyond. 
out-of-staters coming in. We know that's been happening. I wish they remembered why they left the states they left, but that's another story for another day. What are you seeing, Jesse? Uh, we're seeing a, a continued growth trend in the area in terms of new construction. Uh, we are definitely seeing a shift, and there is, um, I'm not sure if I uh, classify it as a pullback at this point, but I think people are, are taking a little bit more time and pause on, uh, on investments in uh, new construction and remodeling. It's still a very busy time for us in the industry, um, far north of what it was pre-COVID, um, but obviously with interest rates hiking, and I think everyone kind of on getting into the position where they're you know, waiting for the elections and seeing what the market's doing, it has uh, definitely added uh, a different um, wavelength to our industry. So it sounds like you're still getting good customers. I imagine customers who don't have to borrow as much because of higher interest rates still until they come down. Are you seeing that? Yeah, we still have a lot of, a lot of clientele coming up now. Um, and actually, we have a lot relocating from southern New Hampshire. Of course, at one point, they moved into southern New Hampshire from out of state. Um, but a lot of cash uh, cash buyers and clients that are looking to use cash to do their projects. Still a lot of that in the market right now. I'd say uh, 60%, 75% of our clientele is uh, cash at this point. And parts of the Lakes region offer so much beautiful air, beautiful place on earth. Let's face it, you can you know look at all the Wolfboro, Meredith, you know, uh, Moultonboro, uh, you know, different Guilford, beautiful areas of the uh, our state. Are you seeing a? Are you, are you still look? Are you still sensing as we head into the winter and spring new home development, new projects being planned, or is that slowing down too? There's still a lot. Um, like I said, there's definitely been a drop. You know, it's hard to put an exact number on it, but I'd probably say fifteen twenty percent, um, which is a sizable number in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, you know, as all of us in the building industry have already experienced uh, since COVID and even pre-COVID, you know, there's already an immense amount of work, more than we can all handle up here. We have a lot of clients searching for a builder that's willing to talk to them, um, you know, and get to the next step in the process. I think more now the feedback I'm getting from clients calling is they're able to actually get calls back and have conversations with builders where a lot of them, um, you know, last year and even into 23, so 23 and 22, when they would ask a builder, you know, they, they, the response would be, oh, we're two to five years out. Um, so there's definitely more availability popping up as, uh, as things shift. And some, some people pulling back on projects they planned for, but with the shift um, in the market and interest rates, they've had to reconsider. And are you seeing from certain parts of the country, country a trend from certain states, or is it sporadic, Jesse? I mean, a lot of my clientele, if they're not coming up from southern New Hampshire, um, they're, they're coming from New England. So uh, Connecticut, a lot of clients from Connecticut, Jersey, Massachusetts, of course, been relocating here for many, many years, um, Rhode Island. Um, we've had this year clientele from California, Tennessee, Ohio, Washington State, and uh, we've actually been starting to get feeds from uh, leads from the Carolinas, um, which, of course, a lot of people exited two years ago, and some of those are looking to come back up to the New Hampshire area. And uh, Jesse, with outside in construction, real quickly, are people looking on the new home side with a? They want some degree of land. What's the average acreage on some of the lots and new homes you're building? The trend right now primarily is larger. So usually people are looking for five acres plus. Um, they want privacy, and the biggest demand I'm seeing, if it's not in a lakefront clientele, which is a very specific group of people, it's views. A lot of the, the folks coming up here, they want to have a mountain view. You know, wake up in the morning to a gorgeous sunrise, um, you know, go to bed at night to a gorgeous sunset. That's what a lot of people are looking for right now. And, Jesse, if people, what's the best way to learn more about building, renovating new homes with outside in construction? If people want to contact you, what's the best way? 
Yeah, we're a complete turnkey design and build firm. They can go online at www.oiconstruction.com. Again, that's oiconstruction.com, or they can call our office um, at 603-875-4734. All right, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. A lot of impeachment inquiries these, inquiries these days down in the House in Washington, Rory. Take it away. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, first, you just had that contempt hearing, I guess, that's still underway involving Hunter Biden and his dramatic uh, appearance there. Now you have three attorneys general from Montana, Oklahoma, and Missouri all testifying to the House Committee on Homeland Security about the possible impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas. The allegation is that he mismanaged the southern border, uh, and that rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors that would justify an impeachment. It's no slam dunk to get this impeachment through the Republican-controlled House, but certainly when it gets to the Senate for a conviction or removal, it's not going to happen as Democrats control the Senate there. Right. So a lot of it's not, but certainly politics not new, but interesting, dramatic stuff. I think it's been a long time since a cabinet member, right, Rory, has been, actually they've had an impeachment inquiry? Yeah, Civil War days. Uh, So it's been about 150 years since they've impeached a a cabinet member. Many, even moderate Republicans, don't love this idea, saying, look, they'll be impeaching everyone every time now if you just don't like the policies of the other party. But others say that the secretary's action or inaction at the border uh, rise to a whole new level. Thank you, Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio, national correspondent. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, Jack. All right, want to bring in one of our great friends and partners next Wednesday, a week from today, Capital Center for the Arts, Bank of New Hampshire stage. We'll be right in the middle of our mental health and addiction town hall. Sarah Gagnon is the Vice President of Clinical Services with Riverbend, joining us. Good morning, New Hampshire, talking about community support. Sarah, thanks for what you do. Very and very important. We're looking forward to raising awareness and the alarms next Wednesday morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of an H. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Talk a little bit about what you do at Riverbend, the clinical services, community support. What, what is your mission, and how can it be improved? What are you finding? Take it away. Sure. So the mission for Riverbend is to support the behavioral health of our community. And what that actually means for us is that we have several different levels of clinical programming in Merrimack County, and we serve individuals with a range of issues and a range of age variations. So we serve children, families, adults, elders. We have substance use programming, individual therapy, case management services, residential services. We really have an entire continuum of care with a partnership with Concord Hospital to make sure that we are supporting folks in our community. What, what are the challenges? And am I, what, the reason why we're having the town hall next week, anxiety, depression, mental health, now affecting more families, more individuals, all stages, all ages in life, younger people. You know, it's a real crisis. And what are you seeing and finding on the front line? Absolutely. Right now for our children's services, there's very, very high demand. And we really saw a huge spike during COVID and after COVID that children having anxiety issues issues at school, having difficulty learning, ongoing depression, and the ripple effects, what that means for their families, has been something that we've definitely seen as a trend. We're also seeing on the adult side an increasing trend of substance use. So in, you know, several years ago when we were working with folks via intake, 
substance use was always there, but it wasn't as prominent as we're seeing right now. And right now we see a lot of individuals that are coming to services that are actively using. And it's really difficult to find out if they are anxious or depressed or psychotic because of the substances that they're using or they're using substances because they haven't previously received treatment for mental health. It may be a combination, and that's why we're focusing on addiction as well. John Delane is going to bring some parents who've lost children. Outstanding, honor roll, Eagle Scout, you know, athletic, good young children because they had anxiety or depression or tried a pill that ended up having synthetic fentanyl in it. And then in one sad case, a young man named Zach, parents found him, uh, passed away in his bedroom. I mean, you know, so oh, sometimes addiction addiction becomes a self-medicating or escape tool because they're not getting the true help to get to the bottom of someone's mental health, correct? Absolutely. And when you start using substances at a very early age, you become emotionally and psychologically stunted at that age. So if you've been using substances since you were 11 or 12 years old, your ability to cope with adult stressors is extremely limited because all you've taught yourself to do is to use substances to feel better, even as a child. Sarah, how long have you been doing what you do? I have been working at Riverbend for 15 years now, and I've been in the mental health field for a couple years before that. So I recently just had my 15-year anniversary here at Riverbend, and I love what I do every day. Well, good for you. One of the things we want to touch upon, too, is a recruitment message is so much need for more people like you, Sarah, to come into the mental health services. What drove you 15 years ago to want to do what you do? <laughs> um, you know, for us, it was a family business. I come from a long line of women social workers and educators, and that was always just part of my upbringing. And I worked in high school um, working with individuals with either developmental disabilities or mental health issues. And that mission has always been part of um, my love for employment and career building. Um, but what we're doing right now, too, is we're working with higher education schools to have internships that are actually paid. They're like a work-study position. So we can encourage bachelor's-level staff to come intern with community mental health centers, get a real feel for the work, but also change a little bit what their curriculum is in higher education so they can be more prepared to come work for mental health and behavioral health after they graduate. So there's a lot of initiatives going out, going on out there. This certain um, internship experience is just one example. Trace, uh, sorry, Sarah, before I let you go, next Wednesday, our town hall, are you Sensing in your 15 years, last years, that some of the stigmas associated with people dealing with and talking about mental health are easing, or are they still there? You know, I think that's a really interesting question, and I think the stigma has shifted. I think that talking about anxiety and depression, that feels easier to say these days, mm -hmm. and you can see it on social media. You can see it out there that people will say, I have a hard time with anxiety, and this is what I do to take care of it. What you don't see people talking about are the issues that are more highly acute. Substance use issues, when people are feeling like they want to hurt themselves or take their own lives. Those are the issues that we need to keep talking about because stigma is still extremely strong for substance use and for suicide awareness. And Sarah, thanks and taking part next week, one of our great sponsors and partners. If people want to learn more about Riverbend and you and contact, what's the best way? 
The best way is to go to our website, which is www.riverbendcmhc.org, or you can call one of our main phone numbers at 603-225-0123, and that will bring you right to an admissions line to talk to somebody about services. Great stuff. Sarah, thank you so much for what you do. We need more people like you in the field. Look forward to our town hall, Mental Health and Addiction, next Wednesday, Capital Center for the Arts Bank of New Hampshire stage. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'll see you next week. Good morning, New Hampshire, powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. So one of the big talks outside of Iowa, outside of the debate tonight there, outside of the caucuses, the caucus process Monday, is New Hampshire, 13 days from today. Is something happening here? How much is this race tightening? And is it going to be enough for Nikki Haley to catch Donald Trump? Because he's enjoyed the lead for quite some time here. But, as Governor Sununu said on the show yesterday, he thinks more than 40% of undeclared independent voters are going to take part in the primary. Presumably, they may or may not, but probably are not Trump voters, if you will. So what's happening? And it could, have a, it could be a huge political story if Nikki Haley catches the former president because he's had the big lead here, not for a little bit of time, but for a long time. Tracy, Tracy Schmidt has been a campaign, a presidential campaign veteran. Uh, she joins us live. Good morning, New Hampshire. The Pulse of the Nation. Thank you for being flexible. We had some weather issues earlier. Tracy's joining us, and uh, AFP Action may be a reason why Nikki Haley on the grassroots or targeting certain voters is gaining ground and steam. And Tracy joins us. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of Nature. Tracy, thanks for being with us. Uh, great to be with you, Jack. What are you sensing? Well, yes. What are you feeling? Well, we're feeling great. The momentum is certainly with Nikki Haley. You mentioned the polls. I believe there's a poll yesterday that shows her momentum continues to build, up 12 points from the same poll the previous month. And, you know, this is what we've continued to see in our internal polling going back um, to the summer. It helped spur our endorsement of her. The more people hear from Nikki Haley, the more they like her. And the more we can communicate that message that she is the only candidate that can beat Donald Trump um, and beat, I'm sorry, the only candidate that can beat Joe Biden. She is, it's really a choice between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden. So we know Republicans want to win. We've had a couple of cycles where we should have won. Because the environment is so bad and the Biden administration has been such a disaster, but we haven't. And we need to put forth better candidates and move past the chaos. And we can't, and Nikki Haley says this all the time, we can't replace Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. So we're hearing it from, we're hearing it from folks on the ground. We're seeing it in the polls. She absolutely has the momentum. Race continues to tighten, and Donald Trump is scared, and that's why he's spending millions in the state of New Hampshire. Well, is Neil Levesque, one of our great partners and contributors, will we'll, we'll be broadcasting live 13 days from now, Tuesday, the day of and the evening of, and the results come in from the West Wing at St. Anselm College. Neil was on earlier. Trump and his numbers in New Hampshire seem to be like a goalpost on a football field, hovering right about 40%. That goalpost is hard to move. The question I have, Tracy, in a state like New Hampshire, where the Democrats have taken away the primary, are basically threatening their own Democrat voters, and that's not overstating it. The Attorney General from New Hampshire sent a letter to the DNC yesterday telling them to not Mm -hmm. suppress, not intimidate, don't suppress the vote here, telling their voters here, don't vote because we took your primary away. It's detrimental. But on the Republican side, are independents, are undeclared and independents going to vote 
and take part in the New Hampshire primary in a, in a significant number or not, because that may de- determine if Trump wins with that 40% mark you know, over Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Ramaswamy, and everyone else. Well, if you look at Biden's approval ratings and you look at the fact that two-thirds of voters are um, dis- disapprove of the economy, we have, for the first time in history, people don't feel the next generation is going to be better off than this generation, and the country is headed in the wrong direction on multiple trajectories. It would certainly make sense for independents and Democrats, for people that look at the, look at the statistical tie and, and look, at the, look at the fact that Haley is the only candidate who can beat uh, President Biden and cast their vote for her. Okay, now the question is, 13 days to go. What, how do you, how does AFP action, tell us what that is, who are you targeting, and what are the, what it was, what sort of the closeout message? Because we're 13 days away from New Hampshire's primary, Tracy. Yeah, I know, it's coming up. It's like a blink of an eye. I mean, AFP action, we're the largest and best resourced grassroots organization in the country and in the Granite State. It's not even close. Look, we've long been involved, and I'm, sure some of your listeners know, in federal and state primaries, this is the first time we've been engaged in a presidential primary. And we did it because we have this stellar candidate in Nikki Haley, and we know that we're uniquely poised to kind of help shape the fundamental trajectory of this election, and that we've communicated with over 650,000 voters since our endorsement of her, and really communicating that message of electability, that if you don't support Joe Biden and you don't want four more years of record inflation and a broken border and chaos all around and the country moving in the wrong direction, you need to support Nikki Haley because she is the only one that can stop us from having four more years of Joe Biden. Well, if it is a close finish, and I think it's going to be between Trump and Haley, South Carolina, about a month after New Hampshire, what are the dynamics? Nikki Haley's former governor of South Carolina, but Trump is running strong there as well. So even if Nikki Haley does well in New Hampshire, can she win the nomination? Well, you know, clearly some people are going to be looking to New Hampshire and looking for that um, that bounce, and she's got the, she'll she'd have the momentum. But what's special about AFP is we have the resources and we have the permanent grassroots army to play beyond Iowa, beyond New Hampshire. Some of these candidates have only been able to focus in one state, in one primary, and that's their shot. But we're in this for the long game, and our focus and energy is going to be on helping her and making sure we get those voters out. Um, kind of not only in New Hampshire, but South Carolina and into the Super Tuesday states and beyond. Interesting. And one last point or question, Tracy, just tell us a little bit about your background on the presidential campaign side or, or, or primaries or, you know, presidential elections. Well, I was fortunate right out of college. I worked for um, then Governor Bush in Austin working on his presidential campaign, had an opportunity to serve in the White House and worked on the president's reelect, and then on the McCain campaign and in between that and the Republican committee. So I sort of run the gamut. But one thing that really has attracted me to Nikki Haley is her ability to bring people together. And that kind of harkens back to some of my former bosses and how they perceive politics and that good people can disagree on good policy. And it actually strengthens our country to have that robust debate around policy rather than mudslinging and name-calling. And that's why we believe the choice is obvious. And it's it's really important that we get back to that as a country so we can move our country forward and pass some good policy. Tracy Schmidt, I appreciate it very much. We'll get you back, and we'll get back in soon, maybe in the next week or so, as we get closer to 13 days from today. Looking forward to it, Jack.
All right, then, of course, we're going to be, if you're going to be up here, we're going to be at the West Wing, St. Anselm College that day. Come on by that morning or the evening. Thank you, Tracy, with AFP, speaking on behalf of the tightening gap between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Time for our Penman Pride segment, brought to you by Southern New Hampshire University. Coming up, by the way, in April, they got a pretty super-duper country music, uh, country f- concert featuring a couple stars. I think it's April 6th at the SNHU Arena. Joining us now with our Penman Pride segment, a couple of great Penman Pride All-Stars. We have Sarah, and I believe uh, we're going to also hear from Katie. Katie Dixon is coordinator of activities and programming events. And Sarah uh, Torres, is, uh, is she's actually a senior and is the CAPE president. They work on some of these events, and a big one's happening in April. So, Sarah and Katie, thanks for being with us. Take it away. Tell us about the planning, and tell us who's coming. These are some pretty big names. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. We're also joined by our second co-advisor, Lucas Frazier. Um, Coming up on April 6th, we have Ernest and Nate Smith. Um, The show will be at the SNU Arena. It is a completely student-led, student-driven program that from soup to nuts, the students cultivate. So it's a really great leadership opportunity, but also some great entertainment come into town. So we're really excited to offer this opportunity up to the greater Manchester community. Well, I like country music. I guess one of the questions I want to ask you, you, you know, your team here. Is country getting to be a little more popular on campus? And this is a pretty good show put on by students. It must be kind of exciting to book some pretty big names. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of every year, we hold polls on social media for the students to weigh in about what artists they want. And this year, we had a huge interest in country music. So we said, why not part from the norm? We've had rap for the past six years. And we figured with Ernest and Nate Smith's growing popularity that they'd be the perfect choice. Well, you can let your other colleagues jump in, too, free. I mean, we have some time here. What goes into the planning for a concert of this magnitude? You know, what ro- what roles do the students play? I mean, it sounds like you're handling it soup to nuts. That's a pretty good experience going into the real world on events and concerts or entertainment after your college days. So we have a student leader elected to put on this tremendous event, and everything from budgeting to talent to space rental making sure that they have a good idea of the event production. So that includes our audio, our visual, our stagehands. Our student leaders are doing every aspect of this program from the marketing, the promotion, the build, the facilitation, and they do get a tremendous experience that is complementary to whatever endeavor they do next. So. We recognize that not all of these students will be entering the field of concert production, but these tangible leadership experiences definitely complement their next steps. And so it is as much fun as it is work for these students, but the end of the night, they're standing on stage, they're able to just reflect on all the work that they get to do as a team, and it is one of the greatest memories that they take away from college. And I'm not sure which... One of you is Katie or Sarah, but both respond. Is this something you might want to take, you know, after college, a skill set beyond college in terms of a professional career? Absolutely. I think this experience has grown me in a way that has changed the trajectory of what I've wanted to do with my life. Um, 
I'm Sarah, I'm a graphic design major, and coming into CAPE and putting on this concert has opened so many possibilities for me. And it's still ever evolving, it's still ever changing, but this has opened each of our worlds in like a whole different way, so it's really exciting to be part of this. Now, you're a senior, is that right, Sarah? That's correct. And where did you come from? What brought you to Southern New Hampshire University? Um, I'm from Haverhill, Massachusetts, and my dad and my sister both went to SNU, so I followed in their footsteps, and that's how I got here. Well, that's a good direct answer. I guess the other question, is, from the CAPE side of things, programs, events, planning like this concert, and I do want to talk a little bit about the concert, the day of, and how people can get tickets, but not every student body has an arena just down the road like Southern New Hampshire University Arena. With that big, that many seats. I mean, a lot of colleges have amphitheaters, bigger classrooms, little auditoriums, but it's going to be pretty exciting to work with the folks at a pretty good size, you know, New Hampshire's you know, largest arena, if you will. Honestly, um, it's Katie. Coming from a background working at various institutions, I've had the experience to work with facilities like this new arena before, but also we've definitely gone through the experience of growing this program from the ground up in the gymnasium. It is such a wonderful opportunity, and I would be doing such a disservice if I didn't shout out the team at the SNU Arena who completely takes care of us and, and teaches us so much along the way throughout this experience. But I think that it is most notable to think about this as an opportunity for students and the community to come together to be a part of something bigger and better than it's ever been before. Last year, we had almost 5,000 people come to this concert. And previously, awesome. you were only able to sell about 600 tickets on campus. Last year was actually the first time we got to move this program to the arena, and we're just so grateful and fortunate to be able to continue with this working relationship we have. Awesome, awesome. Sarah, what are you thinking of doing when you graduate? We don't want to rush things, but what are you thinking? <laughs> um. Definitely the marketing side of this concert has been an insane privilege to be a part of, and I definitely want to continue my work at SNU and become, of the, become part of the team at the Office of Student Involvement and bring more energy and passion and artistry to this school, and I just really want to continue to be part of that. Well, you mentioned last year how many tickets you could or couldn't sell. More than 5,000 people went. SNU can hold, I think, J-Dog, what, upwards of 10,000. How can people get tickets to this concert and tell us the who, what, when, where, again, the stars, the date? How can people get tickets? For students, they can go to snootickets.com, snhutickets.com, to buy their ticket, and the general public can go to ticketmaster.com to get seating or floor tickets. Um, once again, it's April 6th at the SNU Arena. And something's really cool, if you're listening on Spotify, taking a break from the awesome radio station that we're so grateful to be a part of here today, um, the, the concert information is directly linked. If you're listening to Ernest and Nate Smith and you're in the regional area, you can't miss your opportunity to buy a ticket. All right. Well, listen, you, you, what a great team program you run. Sarah, you're going to do great. I love it, Sarah Kitty. Thank you so much. Southern New Hampshire, a lot, a lot of Penman pride on a major, major event. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. We're really excited to bring the rising stars of Nashville to the Granite State, and we, uh, we're excited to see you there. J-Dog, I'm just excited that younger people are digging country music again. As students wanted this show, they got it. Great stuff, both of you. Thank you uh, so much, and good luck to you.